far, we've talked about a couple things, the who, uh, we've talked about the when, and we've talked about the where, um, and uh, so we won't rehash too much of that, but, but who we're praying to is God the Father, right? We're praying to God the Father. And uh, when is not about uh, a spot on your watch, but it's about in all things, we, we come to him, right? In everything, without ceasing, we're in constant communication, in all circumstances, we're, we're in prayer as Christians, as believers, we're living our life of constant communication with God. That's when. And we talked about the where. And it has nothing to do with uh, where you are in this world, your GPS uh, coordinates, but it has everything to do with where your heart is, right? It's where your heart is, right? Because we can do a lot of talking and really not pray. But where our heart is, is what God is mostly concerned about. So today it only makes sense. We talked about the who, the when, and the where. Today it only makes sense that we talk about the what. The what of prayer. The what of prayer. The what of biblical prayer. Right? What to pray. 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 That's a good question, right? Someone once said, um, it's, it's not how we start, but it's how we finish, right? You've heard that. Right? It's not how you start something, and that, this goes for everything in life. Right? It's not how you start, necessarily. It's how you finish. Felt real bad. Uh, if anybody's watching, anybody watching the World Series, College World Series out there? Any College World Series fans? Absolutely none. All right, well, I'm going to tell you this anyway. Right, that's okay. Louisville is still was in the Final Four. Louisville, did I see a hand right there? Okay, no. Uh, Louisville was in the Final Four, and um, so we're cheering on Louisville because it's Louisville, Michigan, Vanderbilt, and... Um, one other team. Some other team, anyhow. Uh, so Louisville's, they're in the eighth inning. They're, they're going into the bottom of the eighth inning, and this kid has pitched the whole game. He's done a great job. He's done a great job. It's four to one. Louisville's winning. They're beating Vanderbilt, which is like the number two team in the country. And uh, they would have to beat them, uh, and then they'd have to beat them again in if game to beat them twice. So, so they got them four to one, and this kid in the bottom of the eighth inning, the pitcher, his name is Smith, Great, he's done a great job pitching this whole game. But as he's walking off the field, he is mouthing the other team. Like, like in bad ways, using words that they should take the camera off, you know, that kind of thing. Like he thinks he has gotten full of himself, and he thinks he's got this, because there's only one more chance for them to bat. And what happens? They come back the next inning, and this kid walks the first two batters, the next kid hits a shot down the line, and they score a couple runs. And before you know it, Louisville loses the game. It's not how you start. It's all about how you finish, right? Because you can have a really good start and not have a really good finish. It's really about how we finish. And that's so true in a lot of ways in our life, right? It's true about our walk with Christ as well. It's true about our faith, and it's true, uh, we're going to find out today, it's true about prayer. In a typical prayer, someone might rattle off, you know, when you pray or someone prays, we rattle off a couple dozen wishes and wants, right? From, from our uncle to our sister to our relatives to physical to spiritual to hurting, happy, unhealthy, to our dentist, my dad, my dog, for my friends, to my kids, to my cat, right? Any number of things we might rattle off in a prayer, in a typical prayer. And a lot of times I think uh, we people treat or we treat prayer like it's some kind of vending machine, like prayer goes in, blessing comes out, right? That's how we treat prayer. Like if I say the right things, God's going to somehow like answer my prayer and give me what I ask for. 
in the Bible, people prayed for a lot of things. We read about different prayers for your enemies, for authorities, for leaders, not to fall into temptation, for the sick, save us, O Lord, deliverance, healing, strength, comfort, anything according to your will, and anything in the name of Jesus. These are prayers that we see people pray in the Bible. And if we're honest, most of our prayer If we're honest, most of the times when we pray, it is one-way conversation and we are dominating the discussion. Don't you, don't you, I won't use the word hate, but doesn't it, doesn't it bug you when you call somebody and they do all the talking and you can't get a word in edgewise? (laughs) None of us are like that, I know. (laughs) But doesn't that like irk you? It's like a lot of things, but one of the things it is, it's like annoying like you can't say anything because this conversation has become all about this other person and they are dominating the conversation it's a lot of things it's annoying but but one thing it really is is it's not relational it's not two-way it's one way and I think a lot of our prayer is just like that it's us talking and us never listening we do all the talking And that's not what prayer is with God. Matthew Henry said this, As a live man breathes, so a disciple of Christ prays. Right? Prayer ought to be a constant breath of communication with God. Prayer is less about getting things, and it's more about getting in tune with God. That's what prayer is. It's less about getting what I want and more about getting in tune with Him, hearing Him finding out what God is up to and what God wants, not what I want. So in Matthew chapter 6, you might want to go there, Matthew 6. We're going to look at two passages of Scripture today. I'm going to kind of hustle because i got a lot of stuff to share with you today. Jesus said this. <laughs> Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 9. He said, this then is how you should pray. So right away, we're like, Jesus is going to talk about prayer. He's going to directly teach on the subject of prayer. And so automatically, like our ears perk up and our eyes get wide and we're on the edge of our seat because Jesus is going to say some things to us about prayer. And in this section, it's the Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus is teaching to a lot of people. There are crowds of people, thousands of people, and he's teaching on a lot of different subjects. And he's teaching his disciples, but he's teaching to the whole crowd. And he's got some key things that Jesus wants to share about prayer. So we're in Matthew chapter 6. So look with me in verses 5 to 7. Look what he says. Jesus says, but when you pray, he says, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth. They have received their reward in full. When you pray, Go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. So right here in these few verses, Jesus is saying, prayer, prayer, prayer is between you and God. It's between you and the Father. It's between a person and the Spirit of God living in them and their Father in heaven, the creator of the universe, the one who breathed life into you. That's what prayer is. It's between the two of you. It's not about impressing people. It's not about saying a lot of words. It's not about carrying on and on and on and on. It's about 
you getting together with God and, and talking, sharing, communicating. That's what Jesus says prayer is about. So right away we're like, okay, Jesus is telling us this is what prayer is about. It's between me and the Father. Okay, good. Verse 9, look what he says. This is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So let's stop right there. So Jesus says, here's what prayer is about. And he demonstrates a prayer. He says prayer is about Father God's will to be done. It's about God's will being done on a daily basis. It's about God having his way in us. That's what prayer is about. It's about what God wants, not what I want. It's about seeking his will. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, right here on earth as it is in heaven. Right? It's about what God is doing. It's about what God is up to. And so Jesus clearly shares it's about the Father's will, not about my will or your will. Verse 13, look what he says. He says, and lead us not, actually verse 12 incorporates this too, forgive us our debts as we also forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation and deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. So, so Jesus then says, this is what prayer is about. It's about crying out to God for forgiveness. Forgiveness. Asking God to cleanse you. Forgiveness and uh, God's forgiveness, right? And our forgiveness and then how others are involved in that. That's what it's about. It's about forgiveness. It's about God's kingdom. It's about being forgiven for the sake of God's kingdom, right? That's a big deal. That's a, that's a big thing, forgiveness. See, I think we get stuck thinking forgiveness is entirely about us. Hello. I think we think it's about us, right? It's about, it's about what we get blessed with, how, how forgiveness blesses us, and that, that, that when we're forgiven, we gain eternity, and all the things we gain, and so I think for a lot of it, we focus forgiveness on, a, on us, but that's just part of it. Forgiveness, in forgiveness, what you and I gain from that, it's just part of it. It's really, in my estimation, it's just the gravy, like it's the overflow of what forgiveness really is, because forgiveness is about the kingdom. It's about God's kingdom. Forgiveness is about God. It's about what God is after, not what I get. Follow me with this. As, as we are forgiven and we're filled with the Spirit and we're made holy and we're set apart, we have to ask why. Well, the why is for God's glory. We are forgiven for God's glory, not for our glory. It's not about us. It's all about him. Our salvation, yes, but his glory. It's all about his name, and it's all about his fame, not ours. And so in light of that idea of forgiveness, prayer is a similar thing. We begin to think it's about us, 
when it isn't. It's all about him. And a really important key to this section here in in this uh, passage of Matthew 6 is verse 8. I skipped over it. Maybe you thought, why did he skip over verse 8? But look what he says here in verse 8. Jesus says about prayer, he says, your father, your father knows what you need before you ask him. Right? I mean, God knows what you need before you even ask him. He already knows. He knows, right? He knows what you need. He knows, right? He knows. God knows better than you and I know. See, prayer is not our opportunity to inform God as to what we need or want. That's not what prayer is, although that's what we do in prayer, right? We are like informing God as to what we need. As if God needs to be informed as to what we need. He doesn't. So why, why then do we pray pray if God already knows what we need? That's a really good question, right? There it is. Why pray? Well, we're going to answer that next week in the why. We're talking about the what this week. So we're going to just move on out of there and we'll leave you hanging on the why. Okay, we'll deal with that next week. Prayer is intimate communication, right? It's intimate conversation with Father God. That's what prayer is. When we pray, we're praying to God through Jesus with the help of the Holy Spirit. We are talking to the creator of the universe, the one who made everything in prayer. That's what's happening in prayer. It's like two-way, not one-way, it's two-way communication between Father God right, between God who is in heaven and the Holy Spirit that he put in you that is living and alive and active in you. Prayer is between the Spirit of God and the Spirit of God that's in you. Communication that helps us see how we are to comply with God. That's what's going on here. The Spirit of God in you, the Spirit of God in heaven are communicating so you will learn to obey whatever it is God is wanting to do in you. That's what prayer is. That's that's what prayer is. It's a communication that's going on. And remember, the same spirit that produced the scriptures through men, right, through people as they were carried along, will help us know, will help us recall, will bring to light, will make known. He will take from the Father and make it known to you. That's what God is doing in prayer, in us, right, in us. And the Word of God, the Word of God that we have, the Scriptures, helps confirm in us and to us as we believe what God is up to. The Word of God confirms what the Holy Spirit is doing, and they will always be in agreement. Amen to that? See, in prayer, we are convicted. In prayer, we submit. Right? In prayer, we seek to know and then do His will. That's what we do in prayer. We are seeking to do the will of God. So what exactly is the what of prayer? Is it about what I'm looking for? You know, my long list of things I desire? Or is the what what God is looking for? His will and the plans that he has for you. The what of prayer. So what exactly is happening in prayer? And we're going to turn to a passage in Matthew Chapter 26. So go to Matthew 26 with me. 
Our passage comes at the end of Jesus' ministry, right? It's the final hours of his life and his ministry, and uh, it's just before the cross, and he's with the disciples first in the upper room, and then Judas agrees to betray him, and he leaves. So Jesus gathers the eleven, and they go to the garden, the Mount of Olives, where Jesus is going to pray. And so in Matthew chapter 26, beginning in verse 36 all the way to 45. Let me read that. Here's what it says. Then Jesus went with his disciples to the place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go there and pray. He took Peter, two sons of Zebedee, along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and he found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And he went a second time and he prayed, Father, my Father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken unless I drink it, may your will be done. And then he went back, he came back, and he found his disciples sleeping because of their eyes were heavy. And so he left them and he went away once more and he prayed a third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to his disciples and he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Here comes my betrayer. So, so, so we see what's going on here, right? Jesus is in the garden with his disciples. It's at the end of his uh, physical ministry on earth. As we know it, he has come, he taught, he healed, he gave proof for who he was and gave all the evidence we could ever want. He displayed power through miracles and signs from above. And then he made a way for the coming of the Holy Spirit who would come and dwell in us, right? That's what's going on in the ministry of Jesus, right? As Jesus prepares for what's next. He he paves a way for the Holy Spirit, the comforter that would come and dwell in us, right? Because we we are vessels, right? That's what we are. We're vessels. We're a vessel. We're just, a, uh, we're just a jar of clay, all right? That's what we are. We are jars of clay. And, and we're, we're just a temple. We are just a, a physical vessel that's full with the Holy Spirit who lives in us and, and wants to use us for his glory in the world. But it's not about the vessel. It's about what's in the vessel, right? That's what it's about. It's about what's in the vessel. Paul said it like this. He said, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? So God the Father and the Holy Spirit living in these jars of clay in us as a temple or a vessel for God. That's what's going on here. That's what prayer has to do with those spirit working together. And there's a critical, critical moment that is very near that's about to happen. And this shift is about to take place, right? Jesus came and he walked and he did his ministry, but he's about to leave and he's about to pour out the Holy Spirit that's going to come dwell and live in us, right? He's going to live in all of us. 
Right? So this shift is about to happen. It's close at hand. The cross, the blood, the death, three days and the resurrection are all part of this process of God, God bringing about and pouring out his Holy Spirit. Right, The penalty for Adam's sin and our sin is about to be dealt with through Jesus on the cross. The debt of all mankind to Father God is about to be paid in full. Separation between man and the Creator is about to be bridged, right? And the continual ability to commune with God has come. And we call it prayer. Prayer. It's communicating with God on a constant basis because He now dwells in us. Prayer. That's what prayer is. So look with me in verses 36 to 39, a little closer. I believe in these verses we will get a better idea of what it, the what of biblical prayer, okay? Verse uh, Matthew 16, look what Jesus says. Then Jesus went to his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. Okay, so we got this mental picture of what's going on. He took Peter, two sons of Zebedee, along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here, keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, my father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Those, those verses right there share with us what I think is the what of prayer to the greatest degree that we could ever find. And we know that this is probably the most or one of the most intense moments for Jesus in his ministry, right? The cross is about to happen, and that's going to get even more intense. But these moments, these last moments with his disciples are probably some of the most intense ones as he braces himself for the cross, as he spends this time with his father before he's about to be arrested and face the cross. And there's a number of things that are going on in these moments of Jesus seeking his Father in prayer. And these are so good for us. These are so important to us. When we consider what is happening like in Jesus at these very moments, like his thoughts, his feelings, his words, as we think about these things, some things, for me anyway, just kind of leap off the page. They just leap off the page. And, and we're going to bring in a little bit of the harmony of the, the Gospels along with this as we go through these verses and three things about what biblical, what the what of biblical prayer. Here we go. You ready? Number one. Number one is this. As we looked at those verses, it starts, he starts, he starts, Jesus starts with his heart. He starts with his heart. Okay, so when you're thinking about the what, what is prayer? It isn't about what should I pray for. It's about what prayer is. And Jesus starts with his heart. He starts with emotion. He starts with feeling. Do you see it in Matthew verse 38? Look what he says. He says, my soul, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Jesus is clearly acknowledging what's going on in his emotions. Mark says it like this, The sorrow of my heart is so great that it almost crushes me. 
Luke says it like this. He tells the disciples to stay and pray that they don't fall into temptation. There's a lot of emotion, a lot of feeling, a lot of humanness right here going on with Jesus. And the cool thing about it is the scripture doesn't hide it. As if your emotions and your feelings are evil or wrong. There is a chance that your heart is right. (laughs) But not always, right? (laughs) I can't trust that thing. In fact, the scripture is pretty clear. There's two things we know about the heart. On one hand, Psalm 37, verse 4, delight thyself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And Jeremiah 17 that says the heart is deceitful above all things. And so we can't really trust our heart, not without confirming. But Jesus isn't afraid to acknowledge what's going on in his heart. And that's an important part of prayer. He is demonstrating in a very real way what it's like to wrestle with the flesh. And this is good. This is so good. Like in prayer, the God, fully God, fully man, wrestling in this this moment of prayer. And he's allowing his heart to begin the process of prayer. That's what's going on here. He says, my soul or my spirit is overwhelmed. He says, it's consumed. It is greatly grieved. That's what he's saying. Like, my spirit, my soul, I am greatly overwhelmed with grief. And there's this overwhelming sorrow coming over Jesus, and he acknowledges it. Like, he understands it. He doesn't hide it and blind himself from it, but he just simply is, like, saying it out loud. He doesn't turn it off. He doesn't ignore his heart, but he starts with his heart. He starts with his heart. That's the what a prayer. He starts with his heart like a deep sea scuba diver who's about to go deeper. I think that's so good. Secondly, he moves to raw, honest, personal desire. This is good too. This is good if you're looking at those verses. He starts with his heart, sorrow and overwhelmed, And he moves to raw, honest, personal desire, like fully God, fully man, just being real. That's what Jesus is being real, very real here in these words. No religious voodoo going on here, no physical babbling or pharisaical babbling, no four steps to a healthy prayer life. Jesus is just coming clean with his Father about what he desires. And this is very raw and honest of Jesus. This did not have to be in the scriptures. God could have left it out. But he didn't. Because Jesus is wrestling with these moments of what is about to happen as he is praying to his Father. And there's a battle going on between the flesh and the spirit in Jesus. Do you see in verse 39a, he fell, look at what happens, he fell with his face to the ground. We talked about that last week. That's the where. Where isn't your GPS coordinates? The where of prayer is on your face. It's on your knees. It's bowing before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's where we pray, right? That's where we pray. And Jesus is face down on the ground, and he prays. Look what he prays. He prays, and my Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. That doesn't line up with the will of God right here. Okay, we're not in line with the Father yet. You see what's going on? Jesus is just raw, honest, personal desire, and he's just crying out to his father what he would like to happen. Mark says it like this. He threw himself on the ground, and he prayed, Father, 
Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup of suffering away from me. Luke said it like this, Father, if you will, take this cup of suffering away from me. And I like the way the Message Bible puts it. It puts it like this, my Father, Jesus says, if there is any way, get me out of this. That's just raw, honest, personal desire. And this is so, so intense. Because I think what God is looking for in our prayers is just real, honest connection. Not church talk. Not our religious stuff. Just heart-to-heart talk. See, Jesus, Jesus in these moments is being totally honest. He's being totally honest with his personal desires and with his Father. And this is what I want, Jesus is saying. This is what I want, Father. Please, please, please take this suffering, this cup of suffering away from me. And then something happens. Something happens to us at this moment. When we're right here, when we get to this point, if you've ever gotten to this point, here's what happens. Truth and awareness, and the Holy Spirit begin to kick in. You know what happens? Here's what happens. At this point, we begin to hear our selfish pleas. We begin to hear me, me, me. I, I, I. We look at our prayer list and we realize it's all about what I want. Here's what's happening. It's it's miraculous what's happening right here with Jesus. And I believe what's happening in the what of prayer. It's like a ship approaching through the fog. That's what's kind of going on. You know, you hear the sound. You're like, you're fishing and you're in the channel because it's deeper in the channel and there's more fish down there where it's deep. And so you're fishing in the channel, but it's foggy and you hear the horn, but you can't see the ship coming. And then out of nowhere, out of the fog, all of a sudden the ship is coming right at you. I've been there. It's no fun. Through the fog, it begins to appear. And that's what's happening. God's will. God's will is making its way through his desires, through our desires. Conviction is setting in. That still, small voice of the Spirit of God is in you, and he's reminding you of God's word and God's will as we hear ourselves, right? As God is separating the flesh of you from the Spirit of him that's in you, as you are weeding your way through this, as you're, you're butchering your way through this, right? Because you have hidden his word in, his, in your heart, and the Holy Spirit now is able to bring that to light, The living word of God is coming to life right here in the garden, in Jesus, right here, right now, in these verses, at this moment, as Hebrews 5, 8 says, although he was son, the son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Jesus is wrestling with this. Jesus is in the fire, and he's wrestling with his desire, and he's wrestling with his will, and he's wrestling with the pain in the midst of prayer. That's intense, right? He sees his heart. He he admits his desire, but it doesn't end there. Number three, he ends with your will be done. Your will be done. That's how Jesus ends, right? Kind of like on earth as it is in heaven, right? He surrenders. 
He fights, he wrestles, he, he kicks, he scratches, and he ends up right where he ought to end up. And he ends up right where we ought to end up. Your will be done, not mine. See what it says in Matthew uh, verse 39, Jesus says, yet not as I will, but as you will. Mark says, yet not what I want, but what you want. And Luke says it like this, not my will, however, but yours be done. See, after the battle through the flesh, we must come out desiring what God desires. That's where we've got to come out. When we start, when we start, it's, it's just honest, raw, hard cry, right? The human part of us seeking God. And I don't think God is like alarmed at this. He can handle our fleshly pleas. He's not shocked by it. But it's here, but it's right there. It's right there at that level that we often babble. We often babble with our many words and our wants and our wishes. Shallow prayer stays right there at this level, fleshly and worldly and selfish and surface and immature, babbling. But true maturity will always end up, it will always end up in line with the Father. That's where true prayer will take you. Knowing, knowing, knowing all along that you're not alone. Knowing that you're not in this on your own, that the Holy Spirit is alive and working in you to help you work it out. Right? The Spirit of God in you is seeking to connect with the Father who put him in you. And the truth of God's word, right? the truth of the scriptures is going to help transform our thinking as it renews us, as the word of God steadies us, as it guides us like a tugboat just guiding a ship into port. Right? And that's what God is doing in prayer. That's what's happening, right? And in the end, in the end, in true prayer, what will happen is we will line up with the heart of God. We will line up with the heart of God. It becomes about His heart, not my heart. It's about Him. This is, this truly is, I believe, the what of biblical prayer. This is what prayer is, right? It's letting God in prayer, help us get lined up with him, right? To be consumed in his will, to desire what he desires, to learn to pray for what he wants, to walk in this world, hearing him speak to our spirit, coming in line with that spirit, and then obeying what he says, to move us, to move us from where we are to where he is. That's the what of prayer. That is the what of prayer. And without real soul, spirit, prayer, we're just babbling. We're just babbling at a very surface level. Father, we love you so much. Forgive us, Father, for for not letting prayer be a two-way conversation. There's a lot of reasons we talk a lot of things that go on when we bow our heads and close our eyes to talk to you, Father. It's awkward sometimes when it's silent. But I pray in these moments right now that, that every one of us are just seeking to hear you. That what we want more than anything is for the Spirit of God to speak to the Spirit that you put in this vessel in this jar of clay, that your spirit would communicate clearly and I'd get out of the way. 
that your will would be done in me, through me. Father, help us to learn how to do that. Help us to learn to stay back and and to let you speak. And to listen carefully to what the Spirit in us is is urging us toward or pointing out for us to, to be a part of or to do or what you're up to. God, help us to slow down. Help us to slow down and let you speak. God, we love you so much. Even as we sing, God, speak. Speak to our hearts. We know that your spirit wants to lead us and guide us and move in us. Help us to to give you the time, whatever time you need to do that. Lord, we love you so much, and I pray that you would continue to move in our hearts as we grow, as we learn, as we follow you. God, that we would wrestle, just like Jesus did with the flesh, striving and working hard to get the flesh out of the way, being honest with ourselves, but but ultimately wanting nothing more than your will to be done in us and through us for your glory. It's all about your glory, Lord. We love you so much, and we give you thanks for all that you mean to us, Lord. Thank you for being patient with me. We pray all these things in Jesus' name.